Whoa, new intro, who dis? Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna. United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. Really excited to introduce my guest today. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys already know him from uh, from Instagram or also uh, you know on television. Uh, Derek Thieler, thanks so much for joining today, man. Thanks for having me, Rob. Yeah, great to uh, great to finally get you on the podcast. Obviously, uh, you know, interacting with you a little bit on social media has been pretty awesome, and just seeing somebody so publicly, uh, you know, in the public eye, other than like a Nick Jonas um, mm-hmm. with type one diabetes, is super awesome. Yeah, uh, I guess thanks. It's uh, it's it's something that I I really want to uh, bring awareness to, and it's you know kind of my mission to uh, to help those who uh who have diabetes and want you know want to learn more or want to join a community yeah and i think that's you know so much has been talked about in terms of like the diabetic community now you know organizations like beyond type one and all uh, all of the device companies like dexcom and you know uh, getting out there and you know connecting more with like living with diabetes and what that's like um mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's just being able to have that conversation and, and connect with people like that is super powerful. So uh, really happy that you came on. Yeah, thank you. All right. So um, let's kind of start back from the beginning, I guess. How is it that you are on this podcast today? Uh, let's get back to the diagnosis story. Yeah, the diagnosis story for me uh, was back in, I guess, 1988 and uh 89 and i uh, was in alaska my folks were stationed in an air force base way up north and i was three years old when i was diagnosed and uh i don't really remember it so i don't really remember my life without type one um but i guess i had i was urinating constantly and, and had like insatiable thirst which are telltale signs of diabetes and uh that was it that was that was my diagnosis story that that i don't remember <laughs> Hey, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us uh, really identify with that, right? You know, don't even remember life before it. Uh, you know, I was diagnosed when I was 16, and I kind of still don't really remember, you know, eating without, you know, thinking about blood sugars and insulin and stuff. So, um, yeah. And you're not the only one in your family with diabetes, if, that, if I'm that, not mistaken. Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, there isn't a, a family history of it at all, but my uh, my little sister was also diagnosed when she was three years old, too, and she's uh, two years younger than me. So I think that possibly could have been my first memory was when she was diagnosed when I was around five, 
and uh, my folks, you know, having a having a real emotional day. It was it was uh, something to remember for me for sure. Yeah, and I imagine growing up having somebody else going through the same things, or you know, being able to be a literal you know big brother, but also a mm-hmm. you know big brother in terms of type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. I imagine that helped her and you in some ways. Oh, most definitely. We uh, we didn't actually have any other friends who were who were type one besides uh, when we went to our summer camps or or whatever for diabetics. But as far as being going through school and all that, no one else. Uh, in, in my school that was near my age had diabetes. So it was me and my sis and we had to help each other out. I, mean, I remember a couple of times that, that we, you know, our pump would run out of insulin and I'd plug into hers real quick. So it was, it was nice. It was nice to have that for sure. Yeah, definitely. I could see, uh, I could think of a couple of moments myself where like, I, I wish I would have had somebody around with some supplies handy. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'll bet every diabetic's got that story that they wish their best friend had everything they needed to. And so it was, it was nice going through that together. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so now let's let's fast forward a little bit. Um, what was it? What was it like growing up with you? You mentioned that there's nobody else around besides your sister that that was the type one. Um, mm-hmm. For I mean, nobody, nobody. All right, let's just get cut to the chase, right? You Google you, you know you're an athletic guy. Um, mm-hmm. You so obviously like sports were a big part of uh, of, of growing up. What was that like? Uh, what were the conversations like, both in your family and also, you know, with your coaches and um, and you know any challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, um, it was it was tough. Uh, you know, I sports was a really big deal for me growing up. I played basketball and football and really at a really competitive uh, level when I was a kid. So we travel all over the world, do basketball camps, do club teams, and all that. And uh, it was pretty much my whole life. I mean, believe it or not, I, I never took a theater class my whole life until I landed in L.A. after college. So it wasn't even on my radar to be an actor at that point because because um, sports was was everything. And that's really hard, as you, as you know, to uh, to be in athletics and be a diabetic because if your blood sugar is not in the right zone, it, it's you definitely don't play at your best. So um, I, I can remember several times where I, I had issues and. Um, I, my blood sugar was really high and I, I had a game starting in five minutes. So I had to, you know, monitor it as closely as I could, um, so that, you know, by halftime I'd be good to go or whatever. But, um, it's definitely challenging. It was especially challenging. I remember, um, going to, going to camps over the summer where we'd stay overnight and I was, you know, still maintaining my diabetes myself as a, as a kid, as like an eight or nine year old and all of my friends, all they packed was, was pixie sticks and sugar, you know, in, in regular soda. And I couldn't really uh, partake in that kind of stuff at the time because of uh, the, the way the regiment was. And I was I was on a, a sliding scale, but I was giving myself injections. So before the pump, it was a lot harder. It definitely was. Um, you know, and I was on uh, multiple daily injections when I was younger as well. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I what, think... What, what, what time did you start uh, maintaining... Well, I mean, I guess you, you said you were diagnosed when you were 15. So how long did it take until you got the pump? Um, I didn't get a pump until my junior year of college. So it was about, okay. it was about five years, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, was, I re- resisted it because, like, I didn't think it was cool. And I had seen some – my only experience with pumps prior to that, I had seen some, some friends who, when I was growing up, had, like – surgical ports so they had like surgery Mm -hmm. and like they were a little bit old school and they'd put the pump on there 
and they like looked kind of infected and I wasn't really into like the surgery thing. So that's that's what I thought it was. Um, But then I went to my endo and they were like, no, like this is this great pump. Like you can just hook it on here. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's when I, in the middle of my, yeah, my college career is when I did that. But, uh, and I've never looked back. I love, I love my pump. It gives me so much freedom. Um, totally. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that, too. Growing up, um, visiting my endo, not wanting to have machines attached to me all the time, because then if, for, for whatever reason, it felt like there was something wrong with you is what I thought when I was a kid. And um, and it was kind of a constant reminder. But I, I made the jump when I was, I think, 15. And I, I haven't maintained it with anything else ever since. Yeah, I think it's just so it's so convenient. And you know, once, and it sounds like you had a lot of the same concerns that I did, just like once you overcome that initial like hesitancy or like fear, um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, going into those new technologies, like I'm, I'm about to uh, do the same thing going with a CGM uh, because uh-huh. I had tried an older uh, CGM that would pair with my pump about six years ago and I just couldn't keep it like under my skin. Like it would just always fall off. So, uh-huh. you know, I had like a bad experience there. And so now looking into um, some different options now that there are a lot more on the market. So um, nice. kind of doing the same thing like, oh, yeah, you know, overcoming that initial perception and then, you know, hopefully reaping the uh, the rewards from there. Yep. Cool. Uh, I want to go back a little bit to talking about, you know, activity all day, because like, you know, a basketball camp or a football camp, especially when you're younger, is basically just to tire kids out. Right. It's just all uh-huh. day, a ton of activity. Um do you remember, or and even you, you know, even going into like high school age, like any challenges, or you know, how did you how did you prepare to you know be active all day and you know keep your blood sugar you know in line? Did you talk to the coaches? What was what were those conversations like? Yeah, well, my folks uh, to start were uh, like amazing growing up with with diabetes, going through the process, at talking to my teachers and my coaches and letting them know exactly how to handle a an incident or a low low blood sugar and uh and also just helping me when i was a kid uh they would monitor me at the night because they were in in the middle of the night because they were always so concerned but um yeah as far as as far as going through super active days like that all diabetics these days uh i mean i guess in all times know that you have to make sure that you keep something on you if you get a low because it always comes when it's least expected and there's really nothing you can do to stop the shoe from getting low occasionally, you know? And um, I, I think that we would, I would just carry around, you know, power bars or Gatorades or whatever and make sure I always, always had that on hand no matter what uh, for an incident. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's so, that's so important now. And I think, you know, parents, especially ones that are, you know, really concerned about uh, either early on in a, a journey with type one or just, you know, really making sure everyone's prepared, it's almost mm-hmm. just one extra one extra step to every activity, right? Like if you're going to go totally. and you make sure that you got your your Gatorade or your uh, you know your glucose tabs or whatever the case may be, uh, just mm-hmm. to cover that low. Uh, and then on the other side too, just making sure your glucometer's in there and you've got your insulin and everything's you know if it's going to be out in the sun, make sure you got a little cooler or whatever the case is. It, exactly, yeah. It's just a, and you, you said it you said it right. There's an extra step to everything that you do when you're a diabetic. And um, and speaking of too, um, you say you're going to make the transition to a CGM. I I really think that uh, that's a great idea because I'm really happy that I did that. And uh, diabetics know that testing your blood sugar isn't always optimal when you're you know you're in a specific situation or you don't have your meter on you. When you have a CGM, um, my the, the one that I use is Dexcom. 
it's such a relief to constantly know where your blood sugar is. And not only, it, it, and I, I think of it as like uh, when you test your blood, it's kind of like taking a photo of where your blood sugar is. And if you're like throwing a, a ball, you know exactly where it is, but you don't know which way it's going. And with the CGM, you know exactly which way it's going. If it's dropping or if it's going up, you know how to handle it a lot better. So I think uh, I think you'll be excited with the, the newer technologies that stay in your skin better these days. Yeah, and you know I think especially with you know diabetes social media like there's so many like hacks i know some people use skin tack i know some people order different uh stickers from like amazon so uh there's there's a multitude of great like diabetes life hacks that uh you know you can use to make those sensors last a little longer yeah yeah those uh it's kind of fun actually to, to look for them look for them on amazon and online these days so um Let's talk. I want to. I want to focus on this a little bit more. Like you're in terms of your control, because you're still a very active guy. Um, mm-hmm. some, something that I think about now, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, like with friends bringing pixie sticks and lots of candy and junk food. Um, you know, even when I was like, you know, fifteen, sixteen, traveling around the country playing AAU basketball, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, diet was never obviously because I was a kid. Diet was never really like a, a focus of mine. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I look back, I'm like, wow, no wonder I played terrible. I ate pizza all day and sat in a car. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a really recipe for for success there. So now, kind of with your Dexcom and with your you know physical uh, regimen, what do you notice? What are the, what are the things that you try to prepare for? Um, I I guess as far as trying to stay in shape, you mean? Because I. Uh, I definitely know how my body reacts in most situations these days, you know, and it's always good to know where I'm at with my blood sugar. But I guess, uh, what exactly do you mean? Yeah, I think that's what I want to focus on is like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you react? How do you listen to your body and know and plan ahead for how your body's going to react to certain things, whether that's workouts or, um, you know, long shooting schedules or right. uh, trips? Well, well, the, the most important thing, I think, is to know where you are uh, going into it. You know, if it's going to be a super long day, I'm shooting like 14 hours and I've got I've got a couple of fight scenes. Like I know I'm in for a long haul and I have a whole bag full of supplies it, it, for a situation like that. And I, I'm constantly monitoring it. And um, I like to keep my blood sugar a, uh, a little bit higher than, than most like, like around the 140s range when I'm shooting. Because when I drop sometimes, it drops so fast and the last thing I want to do is is take up a lot of time for me to have to come back, uh, bring my blood sugar back up. So that's normally where I like to sit. But um, growing up with diabetes, since I never really experienced life without it, I feel like I was kind of fortunate in some ways because I learned to eat very healthy and to take a lot of sugars out of my diet. And also um, it kind of um, jump-started a desire for me to learn as much as I could about my body so that I could be you know in in my optimum performance range so uh that's actually what i went to school for so i I got my degree in sports medicine and nutrition and obviously i had several classes that almost focused on diabetes so i got to learn a lot about how my body works and so at this point now it's it's kind of my job to to look my best and and take care of myself and i think that all those things that i've learned uh leading up to now has helped me a lot kind of awesome how the the journey kind of prepared you for all those things that you need uh and you know gives you all those resources to to be successful yeah yeah like i said like i i am a little bit fortunate in some ways because i uh i had to live an extra healthy lifestyle as a kid and learn a lot of responsibility too 
Yeah, and I think that's a sentiment that uh, you know a lot of people, especially people diagnosed very young, uh, mm-hmm. w- would echo. Um, yep. You brought up something interesting uh, a little bit earlier. Like you never even took an acting class till you had already graduated college, and your mm-hmm. degree was in sports medicine and nutrition. Correct. Yep, that's right. So uh, along the way, I, and, I, and I've done a little bit of research, but what for you? What was you're you're in college? You're you know, you pick a major and you think you're doing the right thing, but then sometimes your passions pop up and they're, they're different. What, what was that like? What was that process like for you? How did you know that you really wanted to be an actor? Um, you know what? It hit me so late and it's, it's, there's a lot, there's kind of a long story behind it. I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you it's, um, I, I was going to school and I, uh, I was getting my degree in, in nutrition and medicine and I, uh, the goal was to go into endocrinology and endocrinology and hormone research and, do what I could uh, to help diabetics. You know, that was kind of one of my life goals as a kid because um, another thing that we touched on was I, I don't remember as a kid having anyone to really look up to who had type 1 diabetes. I didn't feel like there was a community. I didn't feel like there was somebody that I saw on television that I could relate to. And um, that's kind of one of my missions in, in the position that I'm in and always has been, whether it be going to school for it and actually doing the work and research for diabetes or um, doing what I can for outreach in, in the position I'm in with my social media and uh, and whatever fans that I have, you know. But um, as far as me deciding to be an actor, it's a really funny story because um, I was I was on my path and I was um, I was going to get I was about to get my degree my senior year and um, go into, you know, endocrinology and, and, and figure out how that was going to fit into my life and how I was going to move forward with that. And I wound up taking a, a trip to L.A. over Christmas break um, of my senior year, like I said. And my first, uh, right when I got off the plane, uh, I, I met a couple of friends at a, a bar and like had a drink and then ran into another guy who was friends with Lauren Conrad from The Hills, right? And um, so I'm, I'm talking to these guys, a couple of them are actors, they're talking about the business and how great it is. And I, I grew up watching action movies like like Arnold was the man and uh, Keanu Reeves. Those were like, that That was the kind of stuff that got my blood boiling. I, was, I really liked to watch. And anyway, um, I, uh, I wound up meeting Lauren Conrad uh, that night, the first night I ever spent in L.A., and we went out on a date and I wound up being on the hills a couple of months later. So it was like the first step in Los Angeles, I wound up on television on a reality show, which was um, which is really funny, and it kind of catapulted, uh, you know, me me forward and gave me the idea that you know this isn't that hard of a career. Uh, I was wrong about that. I was very wrong. It's, <laughs> it's it's a lot of work and it's really hard and it's there's a lot that goes into it. But um, I really am happy that I made the choice to come to LA to try to be a superhero because uh, I I'm, I'm in a really you know I'm in a good position right now and I have a lot of opportunities coming my way in the future and it's a decision that I'm really glad that I made uh, also because the whole goal initially was to was to be an advocate for diabetes and I think I have um, a, a, although it's a different position I still have some power in the in the world and I'm excited about that what a story man uh, you know nothing like serendipity to to kind of get an idea started yeah, I, I've all, I always have loved movies, you know, like action movies. That was my jam. And uh, and I landed in L.A. and I, I met these guys that uh, that were struggling actors and they had friends that were producers and I met some ages. And uh, I, it just kind of seemed like it was the job for me from everything I had heard. And 
I was really excited about it. So it was, I, I, I was in LA for a week for this vacation with my friends. And as soon as I landed back in Colorado, every dollar uh, that I made was, was saved up to moving to LA and learning how to become an actor as fast as I could. Well, and, and no doubt the right decision. Uh, and, you know, you, you've obviously in, in a short time have done extremely well for yourself. So congratulations there. Uh, and like you said, not a not an easy thing to just break into. So uh, a very unique story, I feel like, in that, uh, especially in that world. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm very, very fortunate. And I understand it. You know, I, I got to L.A. as an adult. I, um, I you know, partying and, and being super social wasn't important to me. It was all about moving my career forward because I felt like, I was uh, had I was a a step behind most people my age because um, everyone you know it's their whole life goal or, or career goal to to be an actor normally and for me it was so last second I would I wanted to hit the ground running and learn as much as I could and put all my money towards acting classes and taking meetings and finding representation for myself and um, and yeah I've, I've been very fortunate so far and I think uh, it, that's because. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of luck. I've got a, uh, I've got a lot of luck with timing as well. And, um, I've got, you know, I've got just enough talent to, to keep moving forward. So I'm excited. We'll see. And, and yeah, you seem like a, you're, you're a, a great humble guy as well. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the, your success is, you know, due to that mindset as well. So congratulations and looking forward to, you know, your continued success there. Thank you very much. Um, in the same vein, uh, you, you talked about, you know, your your goal was to become an endocrinologist, which, um, you know, I think, and this is this is my, I don't have any statistics to back this up. This is just from conversations with other uh, type ones, is mm-hmm. it's not as popular of a medical field outside of people who uh, are associated with either fa- have a family member or have uh, some sort of diabetes uh, relationship or other endocrine relationship in their life. Um, yeah. And now, and like you said, uh, you've, you've pivoted a little bit, but you still have the opportunity to be, to affect the diabetes community. So, uh, what are you excited about, um, in terms of, you know, kind of using your status and platform to, uh, to work uh, with the diabetes community? Yeah, I, I, I've touched on a couple of things. I, I've got a couple of, uh, of, of missions when it comes to, the, to diabetes, um, one of them is I want people to be aware of the technologies that uh, are available to them. I feel like um, they're 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 progressing so much, and there's so much new stuff. And every year there's there's a breakthrough. And I know we're getting closer and closer to uh, to the ultimate cure. But until then, I think that everyone should have an open mind and look into the treatments available. Um, things like CGMs that are that are pretty new. Um, I, I actually I, I work with Dexcom because it's a company that I, I really believe in and I've, I, I used their product for years before I started working with them. And my sister, who's also a diabetic, um, was recently, she's the one who turned me on to Dexcom because she was trying to get pregnant a couple of years ago. And she was, you know, she's blown away by how easy it was to, to manage her, her levels and, um, and, you know, turn me on to it. So that's one of my missions for sure is to make sure people are aware of the, uh, the treatments available and another one is just to kind of build a community because, like I said earlier as well, um, I didn't have somebody to look up to that was in the limelight and in the business that I'm in. I didn't have somebody who was open to talk about it. And um, I want to do whatever I can to uh, be relatable to it, whether it be a, a kid who was just diagnosed or a parent who's who's struggling because, you know, their their child was just diagnosed. And it's uh, it's a lot of stress. And, and I, want, I want to 
make sure that uh, those parents or those kids believe that they can achieve anything that they want in their life, whether they're type one or not, because uh, it shouldn't hold you back from pursuing your dreams and ultimately achieving them. I totally, totally agree with that. I think that's such a strong platform to stand on because what you, what you said is so true. Like, like that that moment when you get diagnosed, like you start to look for other people who maybe are doing the things that you've always wanted to do. Um, yeah. And something that I've realized from talking to people um, about their diagnosis is that there, there's a, there's a lot of variance in the experience people have when they're diagnosed. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was diagnosed at Children's Hospital in Dallas, which is like a top five pediatric hospital in the world. I didn't know that at the time; it was really just luck. Um, mm-hmm. But my doctors and in, in my you know my pediatric endo were very encouraging of me chasing whatever dreams I had. For me, that was yeah. basketball. I wanted to play basketball more than anything, and they were like, "Sure, absolutely, just take care of yourself. Anything's possible." Yeah, yeah, and and I love I love that that and that mean meant a lot to you, I'm sure, at, at the age you were at, because um, it, it's not always like that. It isn't, <laughs> you know. It? I mean, and, and so, some people out there, uh, the last thing I want is for people who are either diagnosed or going through diabetes is to think it's a, a death sentence because it truly isn't. It it really isn't, and but but to your point, it, not everybody has that experience, and I think a, a friend of mine, it was really early on in the diabetics doing things uh, project that. I learned that, you know, even at the same time that I was diagnosed, a friend was diagnosed in like a rural town in like Amarillo, Texas, uh, which is not a small city by any stretch. But um, his his doctor was the total opposite. It was, it was telling yep. him all these bad things that could happen, that he, you know, would be lucky to live past 30 and all the all these, you know, really backwards. I, that, that's that's the endocrinologist I had when I was a kid. So how did so you that, uh, how did you sort of deal with that? Uh, obviously, like you know, you're you're living. You, you sort of didn't take that to heart. You got and how did you and your parents sort of overcome that um, that thinking? Um, you know, I, I don't even know how to answer that question. But the truth is, I, I had the endo that said, you know, there's a there, there's not a good chance you're going to make it past thirty. You you have to take this really seriously, and you know, with a little bit of luck, you can have a uh, substantial life, you know, and, and that's just, it was, it was sad. And when, when you're, when you're an eight year old kid, you know, with so many things on their plate, so many responsibilities and obligations dealing with, with diabetes, it's, it's kind of hard. And it's kind of the, the last thing that, that I want others to go through who, who have, you know, who have diabetes. So I, um, I would encourage anyone who who feels that way or or gets those kind of notes from their doctor to find another one because there's some really great endos out there. No, there really are. Um, And, you know, now, especially in the day of the in the age of the Internet, uh, you know, it can be overwhelming just searching for anything diabetes related online. You get the the WebMD stuff that everything ends up with, you know, terminal death or whatever. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, when people are circling kind of all the way back to your original comment, like having someone uh, like you who uh, in, in that position um, and being able to have that person show up in, in a, uh, hey, my kid wants to be an actor, but he's a diabetic. Is this possible? Um, and then mm-hmm. having someone like you pop up there is super important. Um, and, you know, I, I love that you're using your platform for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really important to me. So um, we talked a little bit about technology, uh, which I also believe uh, I'm also really passionate about because I think this is the best time to be a type one. If there if there is such a thing, today is the best yeah. time. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt. 
what what makes you kind of hopeful about the future of type one diabetes? Um, what makes me hopeful, I, I think, is uh, the community is building. It's there's you know there's there's a lot more ways. The internet's an amazing place when it comes to finding a community and finding people who are going through the same things. So I, I think uh, both people banding together and being able to relate to each other about having the same kind of problems. And also the technology growing, like uh, we've touched on it several times, the CGMs. Like that's something that's uh, that's pretty new technology, and it's really, really improving the uh, the quality of life for diabetics. Before uh, before that, it was the uh, the insulin pump, which you know was was new. I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, maybe 20 now. But um, I, I think that there's going to keep being newer things that are going to move forward with the technology. I believe that uh, there needs to be a system that that connects your your CGM, your your uh, pump, your your actual blood test kit, your phone, your endocrinologist, your family support system. I think there needs to be an app that can kind of combine all of those things together and make it so easy to live as a type 1 diabetic that you have everything it right in front of you on your phone because everyone's got their phone on them constantly these days. And I think that might be the next step before there's actually a real cure. Yeah, and I think, you know, all the research points to these closed loop type systems that you're talking about, um, mm-hmm. you know, being available here in the next few years, if not, you know, towards the end of this year in some cases. So, right. I mean, all, all the technology exists. I think all we really need to do is uh, is partner some of these companies together in one broad uh, broad app or, or company. And I think it would really I- improve the way that you the way that you treat yourself. I totally agree. I can't I, like a few years ago, you know, I had this like sort of pre-programmed rant I would go on whenever people would ask me about my pump because it looks like a pager and it has like a Game Boy screen. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could get on the Internet on a flight on my phone, uh, you know, on the plane Wi-Fi and download an app and, you know, do a bank transaction if I was over uh-huh. the ocean. But I couldn't get my pump to get my, to read my information from my uh, my test kit. So right. it was one of those like frustrating things. Like I know the technology's out there, I, but there's you know, so many other barriers that uh, prevent us from getting those things done. And I'm glad that some of them are being, uh, you know, are, are really starting to move those things forward. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I agree with the frustration. Like all of the technology is there. It just needs to, we need somebody that can put it all together. So um, in, in terms of, and, and I think I, I may already know the answer to this uh, in terms of a type one perspective, but, um, who's somebody that you looked up to, uh, you know, when you were, when you were growing up and you were looking for that person, um, who maybe did or didn't have type one, but also, you know, in your day to day life, I'm sure, you know, it's probably your sister here, but, um, you know, who, who did you look to when you were really struggling with your type one kind of growing up? Yeah, uh, it was, it was most definitely my sister because, um, like I've touched on too, there there was nobody that was really in the uh, in the entertainment realm that that I knew of that that had this the same uh, the same disease as me, you know. But um, yeah, I I talked to my sister a lot about it. We uh, we went to diabetic summer camp, so that was always cool to make those kind of friends and you know chat with them on AOL or whatever. But um, when it came to to complaining and, and having someone to talk to about real problems we were going through, it was definitely my family and my sister, because um, I, at that point I didn't think that there was um, there were that many outlets. And my my endo when I was young, uh, uh, as I said, wasn't wasn't didn't have a very good bedside manner. 
for us, but um, that's that. That's something also that's really changing in, in the world today. There's so many message boards or or websites where there's you know type ones talking about problems that they go through and also sharing sharing knowledge. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things you know. There's so much uh, l- you know written about the negative effects of the internet and all the internet usage, but. Um, that's something like you said, it's easy. The internet is easy to build communities and find communities to join. And the type one community is, I think the, the best one that no one's really talking about outside of the immediate community because it's so supportive. Um, there's so many, you know, people who are willing to just give time and encouragement and share, you know, their daily story, whether that's a, a number on a glucometer or a, or a screenshot from a Dexcom or a story about, you know, going on a trip. Um, yeah. you know, I think that's been, you know, the biggest surprise for me is how willing and open so many people are with type one, um, to just help other people. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because it, it's a really, it's a strong community. It's really tight knit because, um, there's people, there, there's real problems. It's, it's, it's not easy and it's 24 seven, but, uh, you're right. I think it is a, a really amazing community. And it's very supportive. So, I want to go back to your little professional life a little bit more. Um, So you get out to LA, you, you have this date with Lauren Conrad, right? So you're, you're, uh, and then, and then a few, I don't know, is it months? Is it years? You go out to LA and you're pursuing it full time. Um, was there a moment where you were like, Hey, I like, wow, I, I did it. I'm, I made it. I'm living, I'm living my dream. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. Um, it definitely, took me a while um, to get settled and to believe in my craft and believe that I, I had what it took. Um, but I, uh, I moved to LA with what money I had after, you know, after graduating. And um, I luckily enough booked a couple of national commercials. And there's actually a whole lot of money in commercials for the amount of work that you do. So I never had to get a real job, which was a uh, very, very fortunate thing to uh, for any actor who doesn't have any experience showing up to LA to have. But um, as far as, as far as me believing that I made it and like this is the right career choice for me, I don't think it's happened until recently. Like I just um, less than two years ago, I bought my first house in Los Angeles, and I've you know I've been able to uh, to afford the things that I that I would want as as an adult, and uh, and I. I'm really, I'm really proud that I've gotten to this point. I've got, you know, I've got a great dog. I've got a house. I've, I've got the car I want to drive. So I guess it's really recent that I, that I've gotten to the point where I feel like I've, I've made it. But at the same time, I've got such a long way to go. There's so many other uh, characters that I want to play. There's so many other jobs that I'm excited about. That uh, Baby Daddy was really the, the big one that got me to this point, and I'm, I'm excited for the next one. And and what is that you know speaking into existence? Looking, um, you know, what does that look like for you? What is uh, and you mentioned action movies are, are, are your jam? Uh, is, yeah. is that uh, is that where we should you know think about seeing you next? I, I hope so. I mean, that's what I'm putting out into the world. I, I truly believe that uh, you know manifest. I believe in manifestation. I believe in in you know focusing on your future and all that. And all I see for for my future is, is superheroes and and gunfights and car chases. <laughs> Cool. Like I love that's it. that's that's what I really want to do. It's what I came here for. And when when I, when I got here and, and I booked uh, I booked Baby Daddy after about a year and a half of being here, um, I didn't even really know what a sitcom was at the time that I booked the show. 
So it's kind of crazy now that I've been doing that for five years and, and I came here to, you know, focus on, on dramas and, and actions and action movies and things like that. And now, um, thanks to working in comedy for several years, I'm going to have more of those opportunities that I'm excited about. That's great. And I think, you know, uh, I think that experience too, what was that like from a type one perspective? I think I've heard the story of your audition, um, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of your reading, um, did you have any other high or low blood sugar kind of moments or notable stories in that five years? Um, the, uh, yeah, it's funny. You, you brought up the audition. That was the most notable um, mo- notable moment uh, with the diabetes in, in the whole my whole five years with the show. But I, I would have occasional lows while we're filming and all the cast were very, very tight. And the cast and crew would kind of notice it before me even sometimes. They'd notice that my eyes would get a little glassy or I'd, I'd put words in the wrong places. So we'd take a five and I'd go and, uh, and I'd drink a soda or whatever. But um, nothing uh, nothing too crazy to, to report uh, besides the occasional low. That's funny you mentioned that. Uh, when, you, when you said that you're... Uh that your co-stars would notice uh, that, that you were low or, or high. Um, it, it brought back that I've only really had one person that could tell always if my blood sugar was low. It was one of my workout partners uh, when mm-hmm. I was trying my professional basketball career. And right. he, he would always say that my eyes would just blink more. He could just tell. I don't know. It was just a, a weird a weird tell that I had. He was a poker guy, so he could he could read me a little bit better, I guess. But yeah, uh, that's that, that's interesting, and I feel like it's true that people who are uh, who are really close to type one diabetics, um, they they can tell that something's off sometimes even before the uh, the person with diabetes can. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, because I would always be like, oh no, I'm fine. I don't feel anything, and I'd test and I'd be you know in, in the 60s and be like, all right, well there it is. Exactly. Yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, so, let, I want to go a little bit into uh, because you know I follow you on Instagram, as do uh, you know quite a few people. Um, how often do you see? You know, obviously you get you know a lot of comments and messages and things. How often do you see questions related to diabetes that, um, that you know that really you know prompt you to to get a response? Um. I, I guess what you're asking me is is how often do I see people leave comments that I want to respond to? Uh, I suppose I, I think um, or, or things that maybe stand out to you um, or appeal more to your sort of type one diabetes mission. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I feel like especially when I post about diabetes or um, I, I like I said I work with Dexcom, so sometimes I, I I promote their device and talk about how it's improved my life. I really love when I get the uh, the stories, when I get the uh, like a paragraph comment from they're usually from parents who talk about uh, how appreciative they are that I'm that I'm trying to uh, bring awareness to to others who aren't familiar with diabetes and how they go through the same struggles that I do and how happy they are that they that they're, you know, their kids, because uh, since Baby Daddy especially was a family show, it's really great to have that that whole uh, family community um you know, be appreciative that I, I'm willing to talk about it and that I, uh, that I am willing to, you know, kind of be very open with my struggles and, and what it's like to live with, with diabetes. That's definitely, um, when I feel like I'm, I'm get, getting the most out of, out of using my social media and doing what I can to, to bring awareness to diabetes. When I get these, these comments from people about their real life stories. And that's what I love the most about social media is, uh, is feeling like I'm helping people and, um, and you know, making them smile if they're watching the show 
or I'm giving them something that they can really relate to when I talk about diabetes. Yeah, and I think you know you and and Dexcom is, uh, do an awesome job of that. Um, my my professional background is in marketing, and so I'm I'm really happy that a company like a, a medical device company like Dexcom is really kind of going outside the norm for those types of companies and doing yeah. marketing like through spokespeople and, and influencers like you. So uh, for, yeah. me, well, for it, me, it made it more much more relatable. Yeah, great, and that's that, that's the point. And uh, and for me too, like Dexcom was the company I I sought them out too. Uh, I guess it was about two years ago because uh, I loved the device so much, and I I was hesitant of getting a CGM for a long time. And then once I did, I was like, this I, I I'm never going back. Like I I can't imagine living uh living without it now. So I I was fortunate enough to be in the position where I I. I made a call and, and started a partnership pretty quickly. And uh, it's really a, a truly a great company that I'm proud to work with. Well, it's awesome. And I look forward to, you know, you guys continuing to partner. Yeah, we, we just actually shot a commercial here at my house um, uh, a week ago. So that should be out in a couple of months, I'm told. So I'm excited for people to see it. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Um, I think one of your recent posts, uh, you talked a little bit about um, your trip to Joshua Tree. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, obviously, you know, just posting some of the, your, your own just photos from that trip. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the story was you, you were able to, you know, bring the things that you needed to keep your blood sugar in line, even as you were hiking and going around and being kind of away from home. Um, mm-hmm. what, how did you prepare for that trip? Uh, cause I think a lot of questions that I get were, and a lot of fear, uh, there's a lot of fear around people traveling or doing sort of hiking or camping extreme sports with type one. Yeah, um, and that's that. That's um, when it comes to something to be concerned about, especially with the disease. I think that's uh, that makes sense because traveling with that with diabetes, you need to obviously. I mean, m- most of your your listeners probably are diabetic, so they're aware. You have to bring insulin. You got to be able to keep it cold. You have to bring uh, extra sites. You have to bring you know two extra of everything, especially. Um, food and things to bring your blood sugar up but uh when i went when i went to uh joshua tree recently yeah it's it's like it's it's a constant you have a trunk completely full of all your supplies and you have backup supplies in a bag but um the the thing i was i was actually promoting uh with 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 one of the photos i took was the dexcom system recently got approved by the uh the fda so that you can go up to 10 hours without calibrating it and checking it with your actual blood tests test kit which is really cool. So it's 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 cool that they're getting that kind of a recognition that the system really works. And um, and yeah, as, as far as the supplies I brought, you always have to have the blood test kit just in case because you know things fail occasionally, no matter what it is. And it's important to know where you are. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's just part of traveling, I guess. Yeah, and, and I think um, years ago, my you know, my, my quote unquote professional basketball career, I, I traveled with the Harlem Globetrotters for a season and Mm -hmm. we once went on like a four week trip all throughout the middle East and like Afghanistan. And it was this awesome trip, but as soon as it was booked, I had to pack enough supplies for that. And I was very similar to your trunk and pack story. Like I had, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to minimize the amount of like clothes and things I brought because I had so much diabetes supplies that I had to make sure were on me the whole time. So I think it's just something when people travel, 
uh, it's, it's that hesitancy. And I think, again, looking to someone who has done it successfully and seeing how they do it uh, just kind of encourages people to get out there more and, and to stop having those negative conversations around it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, and I do travel a lot for, for work. I go to New York all the time. And um, like you, half of, my, half of my suitcase space is usually extra supplies because the last thing you want to do is get stranded somewhere because it, that can get dangerous. Yeah, definitely. A big, big shout out to Lara Bars for weighing down my backpacks. That's, uh, that's my, <laughs> just full of those. Um, nice. All right, so let's talk to, uh, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and go to kind of like the lightning round, just like some quick kind of fun questions, uh, if, cool. that, if that's cool with you. Um, totally. All right, so the question that everybody, all the listeners want to know, uh, what's it like to be the most handsome type 1 diabetic not named Nick Jonas? <laughs> um, that's funny. It's, uh, I, I, I don't know if I can agree with that statement, but it, it is nice uh, getting compliments and getting some, some recognition in that way, I guess. It's, uh, sorry, it's, yeah, it's sorry my, to put it's, you, it's, had to put you my, on the spot. No, it's funny. It's, it's my job to, to look my best. So I, I take that seriously and, uh, I, I want to have a long career and I, I want to, uh, in fitness is also important to me. So that's, uh, that's, that, that's a nice compliment that I that I'm doing something right, I guess, and I'm going to try to keep it up. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure our uh, T1D ladies and moms out there all agree with that as well. So uh, just just some fun. <laughs> um, well, I, I I don't know if I agree, but but thank you for saying that. So uh, shifting gears, uh, what's the most outrageous thing that you've ever been asked about your type one? Um, or and, and, been, and if sorry, if not outrageous, just the thing that stands out. Well, I, I've been asked several times before if it's contagious. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny. Like you know, it's like a first date topic or whatever. Uh, people who are really unfamiliar with diabetes are you know worried that they could get it. Or uh, so that's funny. Uh, I don't I don't know. I guess it's it's also kind of a weird conversation to bring up, um, especially in in your dating life when it's a first date and you don't know what what the right moment is to tell the person that you've got these machines attached to your body all the time that are, uh, that are, um, you know, saving your life constantly. So I, that, that's probably, yeah, that's probably the best answer I got for that. Yeah. And, uh, kind of in that same vein, um, are there any, um, I lost my train of thought there. Are there like how how soon when you meet someone, whether romantically or not, how soon do you introduce uh, that that you're a type one, whether even personally or professionally? Right. Well, that that's something that's changed as I've gotten older. When when I was younger, I was a little bit more embarrassed about it, and now at this point in the position that I'm in, my my goal is to make sure that that uh, type ones aren't embarrassed to talk about uh, talk about you know what what they go through and inform their bosses or their coaches or whoever it is uh, that they are diabetic and how to help them in a situation. So it's changed from, you know, me being in middle school and high school, really hesitant to tell people about it to the world that I live in today and that I work in. I, I, I tell everybody and anybody who asks, I'll, I'll, you know, have a conversation with them and answer any questions that, that they want about it. And I, uh, I think that it's important as type ones to to feel that way. So that's another one of those uh, the missions I want to move move forward for the community is to not be embarrassed and be able to tell anybody about about the disease instantly or initially. So when it comes to uh, to talking with someone romantically or professionally, I go right up in it and instantly let them know 
what the disease is, how to help me if there's a problem, especially like directors and and uh, and producers when it comes to when it comes to work. But that's uh, that's something important to me. Well, and I think it's really important from an awareness perspective as well. You mentioned people asking you whether it's contagious. I mean, they're not doing that on purpose or to to be you know looking at it with oversight. But mm-hmm. um, you know, there's only in the U.S. you know around 1.25 million type ones, and you know that number's growing every year uh, dramatically. But you know that's a low number of awareness compared to the total. So unless you know someone or have a family member or a friend with with type one, usually you're not exposed to it. Um, and so I think, you know, for me personally, I tried to soften my like edges around that because it used to bristle me up a little bit, um, when people would ask, because it was very personal and felt sort of invasive. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I'm trying to do as well, just to say, Hey, you know, this person just doesn't know anything about it and I can be the person to introduce them. Yep. I like that. So, um, all right. This is a question I always ask. Uh, I ask everyone. I, I know you're you're a guy that's uh, that's on the go a lot, um, and I'm sure live a you know crazy hectic lifestyle, uh, especially in terms of work. So, if you had like 30 seconds, like you're about to jump on a plane and you've run into someone who was either recently diagnosed or is struggling with their type one, what's the one thing that you tell them in that right before they shut the gate and you got to get on the plane? I would tell them to uh, to live life to their fullest, to definitely take it uh, responsibly because uh, it's 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 a serious condition that you need to make sure that you you um, are you know you're responsible with it and and work hard at. But you can achieve anything that you want, and uh, I would also encourage them to go online and look for different treatment options because uh, the technology these days will really improve uh, improve their life expectancy and their quality of life. I think. Awesome. Yeah, totally agree. Did I make 30 seconds? You did. Yeah, I think you made the flight. That's good because, you know, missing nice. the flight, that's a huge pain in the butt, right? So, right. Um, well, Derek, man, thank you so much for coming on uh, on the show um, and, and being willing to give your time. I really, really appreciate it. You are very welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me. And uh, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, um, where, where are they going to track you down? Yeah, uh, I usually post almost everything on my Instagram, and it's just at Derek Thieler. Perfect. Well, I'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, And so uh, everybody who doesn't follow you already will be able to check in and see what you're up to. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Rob. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.